So, uh, yeah, but basically there are four new ships that have been announced. Well, it's been it since they've been announced, but the first one is uh, the Anhalt, another tier 8 German battleship. I'm not sure that's like the, the fourth premium tier 8 German battleship. I yeah, mean, there's I do a bit like... of a at this point. <laughs> I do like German yeah, battleships, or... but maybe it's a bit much. Yeah, although I think one of them is to cover the mistake that was Odin. Honestly, I think I think Brandenburg was introduced purely to cover the fact that Odin was released before they said that they would change premiums. And um, they were like, oh, crap, that one didn't work because we nerfed it into oblivion. So because it was quite good during testing and um, they hit it with a nerf bat and went, oh, crap, um, we should probably do another one. <laughs> so I think that's where Brandenburg came from. Um, yeah, I really, yeah, I, it, yeah. It, it does seem like it sort of makes it a bit pointless to get an Odin, but yeah. Well, that was it. As soon as the Brandenburg was released, it was like, um, why would you ever want to get an Odin unless you're a collector? Occasionally they do this. I mean, this, this kind of happened with the California and the Florida as well. It's like the California came out and then the Florida came out and then it was like, well, why would you bother with the California when you have the same same armament yeah. pretty much on the, the Florida, but it's just such a better platform. Yeah, I mean they are. I mean they are different. Like it's like Brandenburg is different to Odin, and, and um, Florida is different to to California. But but yeah, you just kind of you, you think you know the, the, the people who've got the money to buy you know one or the other. Um, you know, you buy one, and then a month or two later, something else comes out that's very very similar that fills the same kind of mm. uh, scratches the same itch. Yeah, you've got to think for the people that bought the first one. What? You know, are you a bit disappointed with that purchase now? Yeah, so, too late. Yeah, Wargame has got your money now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the problem. Which makes Anhalt also interesting because it's once again a, a lower caliber, well, somewhat lower caliber a battleship with a lot of guns. So I should, uh, like, like I was saying, uh, you know, uh, in our personal correspondence, um, so I I've been out of sort of the detail of the game for the last two months while I'm planning and running a community event in a completely different game. And so uh, this is the first time I've actually heard the name of this ship. So can you, can you give me a summary? What is it and where is it? Ah, it's, uh, it's on the, the dev blog. I can link the, wait, can I post links in your chat? Uh, you know, <laughs> 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 I'll post a link in ATAM's chat. <laughs> is it ATAM or ATEM? I can't remember. ATAM. Or is it AE? Yeah, that, that, that's worked. Beautiful. God, we're all terribly uh-huh. organized and professional here. Uh-huh. Definitely. Got it. So it's like it's, it has five times three 350 millimeter guns. And I think, like, from the picture, it looks like there are more turrets, like there are turrets in the back. There are three back turrets and two front turrets. Looks a bit weird. Let's take a look down at the, yeah, main battery, 5 by 3 350mm gun. So, yeah, um, I suppose that's its uh, selling point. Also, it has rather more hit points than Odin. (laughs) That's not (laughs) hard. (laughs) <laughs> nearly, nearly 70k, and Odin's, what, 50-something? 50 50,000, something, 50, uh, something yeah, like that? Uh, 
that that's not hard. Didn't Odin have less than a Shan horse or something like that? It's yeah, it's, it's Odin is uh, pretty underwhelming in terms of its survivability. Yeah, five, five triple turrets. I don't. Have we got anything else in the game that has five triple turrets? I think that might be new. No, I think that isn't. And in terms yeah. of battleships, anyway. I mean, I think there's probably some cruisers that fit that bill. But actually, even is there any cruisers? I mean, there's, there's some of the Japanese cruisers have got like five twin Doubles. turrets. Hmm. I don't think one fifty-five Megami, maybe. There are well, there are so how many? So in terms of just sheer barrel numbers. Um... I mean, you've still you've got, got things like the Leon and the, the, the it's four quad turrets is what sixteen yeah. versus what fifteen on this. So um, yeah, so there are there are ships with with more barrels, but but not a battleship. Yeah, no. and these these are just about a bigger caliber than the Leon as well, which is what three forty. I mean, this is a gonna... tier higher. It's gonna be interesting what what gun angles you have, right? I presume like it's gonna be a, a brawler again. It's got its thirty-two millimeter plating. It has well, it has four single launch troops. They're probably not going to do that much, but we'll see. And probably the usual German secondaries. Also, it's gonna have presumably German HE pen as well. One would assume. Yes. Um, so it probably says funny. in the stats here. Um, yeah. HE shell penetration, 88 millimeters. Mm -hmm. So that's going to give it very consistent HE damage. Yes. That's going to pen most battleship, um, you know, upper plating. Um, yeah. And presumably, presumably, because it's a battleship, it's going to have a reasonably high fire chance per shell and 15 shells. At 27%. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nasty. Actually, looking at it, this this does very much seem like. I wonder if this is uh, one of the um, um, battle cruiser project, uh, like you know, blueprints that they they didn't end up using for the uh, the main branch of German battle cruisers. It, it just has very. I mean, obviously, it's 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 got this fictional rebuild which they do for some. It's it's definitely a sort of nineteen thirties style superstructure, but just the turrets on it look um and the whole form and the fact it's got the the case-based secondaries this this definitely feels like it's one of the uh um battle cruiser hulls yeah it seems to be their thing at the moment i you know i often joke that they've got a bit of an obsession at the moment with battle cruisers and and yeah. you know whether they they come at it from the cruiser point of view or whether they come out from the battleship point of view they have introduced a lot of ba uh, battle cruisers recently there's a lot of 25 millimeter plate going 25 millimeter plate going around does the do the stats say what the nose and stern plating is is it 32 it does say 32 mil so it's okay. not going to be squashy okay. like some of the others are um oh. Yeah, there's been a lot of battle cruisers, but um, yeah, this one seems to be leaned to more towards battleship than battle cruiser. But I think yeah. we've reached the stage in the game now where, obviously, there are there are plenty of historical, you know, real historical ships and real designs that could be still introduced. But I think we have reached a stage in the game now where there's been so many ships introduced. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's we must be approaching five hundred. Exactly. There's a lot of the ships that we get now are going to be like, okay, take this idea from that plan and this idea from that real ship and mm. kind of <clears throat> glue them together into this sort of um, fantasy reconstruction of what could have been, um, which I don't have a problem with at all. I, that's fine. I mean, it produces it, some interesting designs. It was always going to go this way. I mean, <clears throat> there's probably more 
scope in in World of Warship. There's always been more scope for um, kind of individual famous ships as as premiums, but in terms of like tech trees, it's, it's like the. I mean, the World of Tanks ran into this problem years ago. That you know, at some point you run out of actual ship classes slash tank designs to uh, you know like ones that actually existed, and uh, you have to then putting in the increasingly uh, hypothetical stuff up to the point where it, it just becomes outright fictional. And it, even War Thunder, which is kind of uh, always prided itself on being a little more grounded in, in reality than World of Tanks, um, even they have some very, very questionable uh, tank designs, although they partly solved the problem by stretching into the, uh, the 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, I think, with some of the 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 top br stuff but uh, they they've got their own issues in terms of matchmaking and stuff like that but you can't really they, do they, that with warships because then you're getting into the yeah. era of like cruise missiles yeah, and that, ship missiles and stuff like that so yeah. that question comes up so often like well why don't we just have more modern ships well cuz the game isn't really designed to handle things yeah. like over the horizon over the horizon radar over the horizon combat you know the the water surface in the game is flat the the um the visual model is is designed in a particular way for a particular kind of ship combat so it wouldn't work for um like pre world war 1 really you know you go back to ironclads or even sail ships with cannon it's not going to work for that and it's not going to work for um mm. like missile cruisers and things like that very well because in that kind of combat in like modern naval combat you don't get the two ships shooting at each other um you know where they can see each other Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably never see the thing that you're striking, and probably it's not going to be ship to ship combat. It's going to be ship to shore, um, where you're using you know modern naval warfare is generally you use your ship as a weapon platform, and you're launching your weapons at something that's not a ship. Mm-hmm. So um, generally, so so it's just kind of where they've stopped it in the sort of what have we got like very early 60s i think is probably the yeah the, some of the, the like yeah. some of the the swedish designs um that there are some post war ships in there but they tend to be sort of 50s 60s and they're quite mm. like even then then there's a lot of stuff they wouldn't be able to fit in the game from that era just because it's starting to use a lot more um like missile technology essentially but so, i think I mean, you've I, I just understand it. You've just given Wargaming the, the next class they introduce playable bases. Well, honestly, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, if yeah. they wanted to expand the game in terms of eras, um, and I don't know how you would do this in terms of the tiering system. You would have to entirely rejig the tiering system or else add like negative tiers or something. But you could go back into the pre Dreadnought era and that would give you an extra, what, like, 30 years of designs and history to play with, but you'd be getting into also like extreme close quarters combat for, for the kind of the, the, the technologies and the designs of that era, which you're almost doing a separate game at that point. Yeah. I think, I think that kind of game would need to be, need to have more, um, more focus on the, the ship itself and like the crew running around and reloading the guns. And, and then oh. there are other games that fill that niche where you're more in control of the ship kind, and the ship systems kind of, and the ship's crew. Yeah, I don't know if there's really much that... like That's actually kind of a neglected period overall, the kind mm-hmm. of the the the, the pre-dreadnought but still iron and steel-hulled ships to sort of 
not not the entire latter half of the 19th century, but a, a pretty good chunk of it, right the way up till when Dreadnought was launched. Um, I think the other problem. Yeah, would be... I mean, the only, the only game I've I've played recently, or, or any game that's kind of really touched on that, is um, UA Dreadnoughts, and I think Rule Waves also kind of covers that period as well. But it's it's really not in any other games that I can think of. The other problem with uh, going downwards into, as you said, like negative tiers, um, is the game is set up to. It's got such a huge focus on progressing to tier 11 mm-hmm. now um, that adding more stuff onto the bottom is just, you know, they would have to completely change the way that they incentivize people to play those lower tiers because um, pretty much once most players have got past, um, you know, t- tier three, four, they're never going to go back and play those ships again because mm-hmm. they've got no reason to. Which is a shame. And so I think, you know, if, if they were going to expand it to older ships, um, it just wouldn't get the interest so simply because of the way they've set the game up, which is a shame. Yeah, um, you'd almost have to yeah. set up uh, entire separate tech trees from level 1 to 10 with just all of the, the pre-Dreadnought stuff. But then essentially you've got two games running in parallel and I don't think Wargaming would uh, want to split the, you know, pay, the player base. As you said, they could definitely take the, the core of the game, like the engine and, and everything, and mm. say like, hey, there's this like other World of Warships, like World of Warships Age of Steam, or like whatever it happens, whatever you want to call it. Um, Age of uh, World of Warships Ironclads, and, and make it a completely separate game. I think that would be, that would be cool, but they, they won't do that. No, no. <laughs> it would be nice, but no. But uh, so, yeah, as you I'll, said, I'll... It, could, it could be really good fun, because it would be like really brawly, and... Um, uh, smaller maps, smaller distances. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Anhol, which is definitely uh like it's gonna it's gonna be an H E spammer, it looks like. One point seven Sigma, fifteen guns, twenty five knots, decent range. Seven hundred yeah. torpedoes. Yeah, uh which actually have a fairly fast reload as well, forty five seconds, so that's pretty uh, quick. That means you can, you know, if you if you're brawling and because uh, mm. uh, you're 32 mil, you're pretty tanky. Um, you might actually in a brawl, you might actually get to reload those, which is we, we don't know where they're mounted exactly, but uh... it says four single tubes, so I'd imagine that's two single tubes on each side. Yeah, it could be it could be facing cardinal points or. Um... Because uh, bow and aft torque launches were a thing, but it probably is more likely that they're port and starboard to each. I mean, I wonder if they're going to consider giving them like the British shooting, like they they experimenting with like those turning torpedoes on the British, right? Uh, oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I can't see them in the picture. Uh, well, I mean, they're going to be below the surface, so. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see any sign of it. Interesting. Then what's also announced is a uh, uh, next Spanish ship at Tier 10 Destroyer. I have no idea if that's uh, that's made up or if that has existed, to be honest. Uh, it does say it's going to be similar to the Capitani Romani, so I don't know if this is going to be uh, like something that was pondered at some point or offered to the Spanish by the Italians. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that 
is like just Googling the name. There is, um, I'm going to butcher this, but an Alvaro de Bizan class frigate, but that's a modern uh, Spanish Navy uh, class of, of ships. So, uh, yeah, that. Like the fact that they're saying it's similar to suggests yeah. to me that it's, because otherwise they'd say it's a rather than it's similar to. Yes. Um, it's so, interesting uh, that they've gone for a tier 10 premium for the second Spanish ship, I think. Uh, considering uh, that there are certainly more uh, historically focused chips they could have put in. Yeah, so I don't it's, know. Oh, it's got... Okay, I was, about, I was about to say, oh, it seems to be a pretty standard destroyer. It doesn't have any... It's got a smoke screen and an engine boost, but it's not an exhaust smoke generator. It doesn't have sap. Oh, it's got burst fire. <laughs> yes. I was look, looking for the gimmick. Where's the gimmick? Where's the gimmick? Where's the gimmick? That's the gimmick. Okay, interesting. So, let's see, 26,000 hit points. Uh, HE and AP. Um, they look fairly standard. Reload time, 10 seconds. Uh, reload of 40 seconds for the burst, and it's three shots in the burst. Uh, torpedoes are pretty weak, so twin quad launchers, thirteen thousand nine hundred damage. Which I mean, are those? I, are those like the the new German ones of the gunboat uh, line? Look, maybe I mean fifty-six similar. knots, thirteen and a half kilometers sounds about right. Or like uh, the new Italians. I would have to check that. I think the Italian ones might actually be a bit weaker than that. Aren't they like 12k or something? I don't know, but but basically slow, low damage torpedoes, but at least they don't have a horrendous reload or anything. 95 seconds is uh, kind of reasonably average minute Yeah, and they half. are more like a backup weapon, I suppose. It's, its main focus is probably the gun power with the burst, and it's relatively fast, so... Ah, uh, I'm just double checking. Oh no, no, no! Uh, Thirteen thousand nine hundred. That is what the tier ten gets. That's what the uh, the Rigello has. So, uh, yeah, okay, Italian Italian top. So this this is going to be some purely hypothetical. What if Italy had sold some of the Capitani Romani's to uh, Spain, but with a slightly different spec? Well, the fact that it's got the big neutrality things on it. Um, I don't know, was that historical Spanish Spanish ships during the Second World War? I I don't know. (laughs) Certainly during the Civil War. I remember Kilobin saying that the flags are historically accurate. They they did paint them like that, apparently. Okay. Well, I mean, more more Spanish ships is definitely welcome, probably for all Spanish people. I wonder how they'll distribute that, though. Because it's going to be tier 10. Uh, so if they sell it for the balloons, it's going to be fairly expensive. Or are they going to like go go like a steel research bureau around? It would be nice since the... For quite a while. Yeah. It's, I think, it's certainly going to be a lot more stealthy than the Rajolo. 7.9 kilometers base as opposed to, what, 9 point something. Um, so not quite the same Italian play style. No, you also don't have the moving smoke. Yeah. Fast, though. Yeah, I wonder whether... Because they've done a lot of 
recently a lot of um, non-stealthy gunboats. I think maybe they're wondering, well, maybe we should do a uh, not maybe not quite so powerful. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see what the gun gun power is yeah. like. But um, maybe they're thinking this is more of a cap contester if it's got a bad concealment. I mean, it's so you, you know you. It, it's interesting in the sense that you have that burst mode, right? And you have a lot of speed, so you can charge in, possibly shoot the burst at an enemy destroyer and then just smoke up. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, it's it's potentially a destroyer ambusher, but not quite in the same way as the 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 live Italian ones are, um, where you sort of make contact, try and try and kill them if you if you can with your sap. This is more going to be make contact and then try and kill them with just sheer shell volume <laughs> rather than sap damage. Um, because the Italians are slow firing, but the the sap volleys do a lot of damage per volley if you hit. Whereas this is more just sort of sp- spray it, maybe. Yeah, I mean the Italians' problem is that they are detected way way too soon mm-hmm. and they aren't that fast. So as an Italian, you go in, yep. they spot you, you get shot mm-hmm. to pieces, you panic I- smoke before you even see the enemy, and then you run away. I think the difference with if the concealment stays like this, I think the difference will be the Italians. You have to kind of set up the ambush actively. So you have to try and get that destroyer that you want to uh, you want to try and murder in a very specific spot to try and approach it. Whereas this one is going to be probably more reactionary, where you're using your concealment to try and get close, and then if someone something sort of ends up in your face, you've got the, the spotting advantage. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, with that speed and an engine boost, they're going to be so fast that you can close it. It's like if you have RPF, you know where the enemy destroyer is, right? So as soon as he detects you, you're going to close that distance so fast that you will immediately spot him back. Yeah, true. Or get yourself in really, really, really bad trouble. <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> That's the problem with, with fast destroyers is you're sort of if you're heading towards the enemy, um <laughs> like the French destroyers when they first came out. I remember getting mm. myself in trouble all the time because you just you don't for, you forget how fast you're going. And by the time oh, you've this made is a it, safe distance. Oh wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the time you've made a U turn, you know, you've gone several kilometers further forward and you're just sat in front of them going, Hi <laughs> So that that's a bit of a that can be a bit of a trap. And go fast forward, but also fast downward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you've got good concealment and good speed, it also means that um, getting out is mm. you know, possible. And so I'm, I'm sort of thinking there more about competitive play. Like, would this destroyer have a place in competitive? Um, it, like, because it, it, it's potentially playing in the same kind of niche as... Uh, something like it depends what the concealment comes down to, but um, maybe something like a, a unique upgrade Clabert, something like mm-hmm. that, working in conjunction with some pure gunboats to uh, to doing like a wolf packy kind of thing because it's got the speed. Um, and we've seen in in past King of the Seas, we've seen uh, people use groups of, of French destroyers together, with um, one of them set up with the legendary upgrade so that they can spot, and then the others to do the gunboating. Um, this potentially could fill that role. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. It, it is certainly going to be, um, like you're going to have to work a lot around that, that, that 10 second reload. I think that's pretty similar to the, uh, the Rizzolo got. That's probably around the same. I mean, it would be uh, interesting. Oh, actually, no, that's a lot quicker. That's 5.5. It's, it's probably the same principle as the, um, 
as the Kleber where you, you know, if you if you come across something when your reload boost is available, then you're really, 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 really strong. Mm. And if you come across something when your reload reload boost is unavailable, then you are totally, totally like really badly in trouble. So um, it's all about the timing of of having yeah. that burst fire available and making use of it, and then Actually, not getting yourself in trouble. I'd forgotten. I thought I, in my head the Italian destroyers were all that bad, but no, they're all kind of. I think the worst of them is about 6.5. The only thing I can think of offhand that has like a 10-second reload is the uh, the Leone at tier 6. But yeah, that's I was going to say Leone, yeah. That's got a lot of guns. Yeah, it does. But that plays more like a um, like a smoke-firing cruiser. Mm. It plays more like a Kutuzov or something like that, weirdly, um, where you, you set up your smoke screen and then you, you're just trying to find something that's sat relatively still because if it's not relatively still, you're never going to hit it. And um, and then you just just spam it to death. But um, d- does the do the stats say how long the smoke screen lasts? Uh, they do Is not. It? Okay. So we don't really know. I mean, since it's that... Spanish, we don't really have a comparison. No, because I'm I'm kind of surprised because it's um a sort of Italian adaptation. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't have an exhaust smoke, exhaust smoke generator. If it's standard smoke, I think the the flavor of the smoke is going to maybe affect how you would play it. Cause if it's, so for example, if it's like British style smokes where they're short duration and you get lots of them quick mm-hmm. cooldown, down, uh, or sort of pan Asian, then that's going to determine one particular play style. But if they're more sort of American style smokes, then it's going to determine a completely different play style. So Which, I mean, you know, we talked about the Leone. That's essentially what the Leone, Leone mm, has is exactly. American smokes. Exactly. Uh, I've just been looking at different ships to try and get an idea of what the best concealment could be, and I think it'll be about 6.4 kilometers around that. It, it's around the same concealment, the same base concealment as the LB. So it, it'll be sort of 6.4 to 6.5 kilometers best concealment. Yeah, that's kind of uh, on the on the uh, but like between average and, and bad. I would say. <laughs> yeah, at, at tier ten, that's that's not great. Certainly, plenty of you still outspotted, but it's still a lot better yeah, than you the Italians. Yeah, you get outspotted by a, a whole kilometer by um, by a Shima or or mm-hmm. by a Shima or a un, uh, unique upgrade gearing or something. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my bet for the currency would be research bureau. Well, I, I guess I guess we'll uh, we'll have to see if that that prediction bears out. I'm sitting on over a hundred thousand RP, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite okay. like an extra ship. <laughs> Next, then, we have uh, yeah, another destroyer. This time a Swede, and this is a super ship. This time, yeah, it's, it's so, a super uh, Halot. Yes, um, I don't think this is something that historically existed. Just from a quick Google, but uh, it, it does. It's possibly um, given that they mention the Halland by name, it's probably some design variant of the Halland with an extra turret. Which is interesting because like the way I see it, it has like the same torpedoes and it has the exact same guns as the Halland but fifty percent more gunpower and they removed like the uh the uh, the depth charges from the front so you can finally shoot directly forward. That I mean that alone is gonna be a huge boost. That confuses me every single time. <laughs> Why are my guns not working? Why are my guns not working? This is a bug. Why are my guns not... Oh. Because <laughs> you forget. You forget. Yeah, it's, it can be so annoying. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um... I mean, three, three, three tourists versus two doesn't sound like that big of an upgrade, but then you factor in Haaland rate of fire, and actually, that's 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 what, going 50, to be kind of scary to face. You know? Yeah. Um, also gets two different types of torpedoes in combat: the familiar European torpedoes with high speed and low damage, but also slow and not the most long range torpedoes with increased damage. Interesting. I mean, slow is relative with 70 knots, but definitely a lot slower than your regular ones. Yeah. What's the range on those? Uh, 10, 10 kilometers is still... Oh, that's still, still usable. fairly long range. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's inside a lot of, of radar ranges at that tier, but um, yeah, 10 kilometers is still... like It's not like having to close to 5 or 6 kilometers as like you, would, you do with some destroyers. I'm not a huge gunboat destroyer player, but I do appreciate the ones that have longer range talks because uh, towards the end of the battle, or if, if you just you make mm, a mistake mm, at the beginning yeah. and you take a whole load of damage and you can't you, you really do your gunboat roll anymore, at least just you can revert to being yeah, you can revert to doing spotting and talking. Also, like the the alternate torpedoes do like fourteen thousand four hundred damage compared to the base ten thousand seven hundred, so. It's, it's it's a modest increase for tier yeah. uh, for tier ten, um, but it's still yeah. I, I suspect more people will use those and then just use the longer range ones for the situations where they can't afford to get close. I mean, the thing what I'm not considering is 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 like the time to switch torpedoes fixed. Like on, on a Yamagiri, it takes about fifteen seconds to switch your yeah. torpedoes, right? But if you have a very long base torpedo reload, then switching isn't, you don't lose that much percentage wise by switching. But here, like, you only have like a 19 second base reload. That's probably better after you've taken some damage and maybe you even got the captain's skill for better reload, right? So, it's, is it worth it to switch if switching once, takes 15 seconds? Once they're loaded, probably not, but you can switch whilst loading with no time penalty. Like, it, really? It's, that's, I, I that's, thought you. You go to the regular fifteen seconds, and then, uh, unless I've just been completely not paying attention, playing my um, uh, Yamagiri, um, it, I don't think it adds like the 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 count that the timers seem to run in parallel, from what I can tell. If you switched whilst reloading. I don't think it adds anything onto the reloading time, but you know, someone will correct me okay. if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, yes. You can send complaint emails too. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I can't comment because um, I haven't played a single... Uh, se- yes, yeah, send them to Painzor. <laughs> I, I haven't played a single super ship since right back at the beginning of when they were first introduced with the two battleships. So I, I have no experience in that. I seem to I like. I bought the Yamagiri, and then I keep thinking, oh, "I'll save up. I'll, I'll I'll grind a bunch of credits for another one," and then I just keep getting distracted with other things. Also, Adam, do you realize how cruel it is to sit there drinking a beer when I don't have a beer? <laughs> I mean, there would be a simple solution for that, wouldn't there? I don't have any. Oh. I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, I quite fancy a beer. I've got I've got tea though." <clears throat> well. Um, so presumably this thing's going to cost like a billion, billion, billion credits. Uh, I mean, what was the Amagiri? 56,000? Uh, 56 million or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, destroyers are a bit cheaper than the others, I think, but still around 50 million. That is true. 
and presumably it's um, going to be unless you maybe you're a super carrier for for tier eight tier can tier eight make this no for a tier ten carrier this is going to be fairly unapproachable I would imagine yeah um, it's, it's, it's got very strong air. as I've said in the past it's 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 weird that these days the some of the most effective anti air AA uh, anti-airships in the in the game are destroyers, which doesn't particularly make sense. But yeah, yeah, I was listening to Kilobin talking about it on his stream earlier. You know, he's saying, "Yeah, sure, you know, the the, the modern destroyers, yeah, they can have very strong AA, but it shouldn't it shouldn't even come close to a battleship um, like a Montana or something like that that's literally covered from stem to stern in in mm-hmm. the AA mounts. Like, it shouldn't even be a comparison. So, um, so it, but it's a it's a game mechanic thing, isn't it? It's, it's something you just have to suspend your uh, disbelief and, and yeah i mean in accept. the end it's just gonna be an akim of coming in with skip bombers that drops before your auntie does anything and then said uh yeah yeah um the other interesting thing about um the super ships is the the decision as to whether to put one of your legendary captains on it or not because of the switching penalty mm. because these count as tech tree ships from that point mm-hmm. of view and so it's going to be interesting to see whether people uh, put uh, Wass's face on it um, or whether they decide to keep that on Halland. Oh, uh, yeah. How do you pronounce is it? Is it Schwerski or is it the other one? Schwerski. Um, is the other is guy even in the game? I can never remember. Is it him or is it the other one? So there's two of them. Br- one of them. Br- one of them is really good. Kvitz, so no, like, not, not him. No, no. No? Because no, okay. there are two. And what, one of the legendary captains gets. Um, uh, some really good penalties for shooting down planes. Uh, that would be the, yeah. My head now. Twenty so, twenty uh, yeah. aircraft shot down yeah. gets you yeah. plus ten percent to your uh, AA damage. So, so people are going to have this interesting, just like they do with um, some of the other super ships. They're going to have this interesting dilemma where they have to choose uh, whether to put it on, keep it on the tier ten that they have it on at the moment, or whether to move it onto the super ship. And I guess it's just personal. Like, are you going to be playing a lot of super ships, or are you going to not going to be playing a lot of super ships? Uh, are yeah, you going to be taking you. your tier ten into clan battles, or are you not going to be taking the tier ten into clan battles? So I think it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And what's going to be really annoying is if you make the decision, and then wargaming keep changing whether there's super ships in uh, clan battles or not, mm. because then you're going to have to potentially pay to move your captain. I mean, wargaming would see no problem with that. I'm sure they wouldn't. Um, I think the, the players might see it slightly differently. I mean, you have an entire different problem because you need an entire new captain, right? Most people don't have a stable of 21-point captains lying around. So if you now move your captain to the super ship, then what are you going to do with your tier 10? Exactly. You're not just losing out on the legendary buff. It's like either way, you need to to somehow train an entire new captain. Yeah, it was the the one thing when the super ships were introduced. It was the one decision that I was like, I'm not sure about that, you know, making it a tech tree captain tech tree ship as far as the captains are concerned um like i understand that they're trying to get that sweet sweet microtransaction money but um it's yeah it's just it just doesn't feel very good True. i think i would have preferred to see them classified as specials yeah i mean they're already super ships right what would be another different edit I mean, I also feel like the whole legendary captain system is not that great, especially since, for example, like the Italians' wargaming designs every Italian line 
around having a Samsung ID with the additional range increase. It looks like Wargaming thinks that you have that cap on every Italian ship when they when they designed them. Hmm. Be great if you could have uh, Sansonetti on every single Italian ship simultaneously, yeah, but yeah. sadly, not actually an option. Now, there is one more ship that has been announced, uh, which brings us to our most favorite topic ever, obviously, uh, submarines. Uh, there Yay. is, th th that's, that's the first submarine that actually has a gun. Or at least Which I have a feeling yeah. isn't gonna do anything. Like, no. You have I one 140mm just... gun. I, I'm really struggling to see how this is gonna work. Um, I, I can't think of a situation in the game. Well, like, I know, I know, like, historically, yeah, absolutely, because you, you found a convoy of um, unprotected. Um, uh, merchant navy ships and you just pop up alongside them they can't really defend themselves and you just sit on the surface just you know going bang 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 and sinking because mm. it's much cheaper than using your torps but um, you know so, I, I, so historically I, I, sure but but in the as game, well established in this game you know the historical role of submarines has absolutely nothing <laughs> exactly. to do with how they work in world of warships so so okay so you're a submarine so you you can you can submerge which is effectively the same as a deploy whenever you like smoke screen um, you presumably have torpedoes of some kind. I haven't read this yet. Um, yes. So you can you can perform the normal submarine role. Um. So you you surface either voluntarily or because you've run out of um, what I call dive juice, and then and then what? So if it's a destroyer and you've surfaced in front of the destroyer, you've got one gun. That destroyer is potentially a Ragnar or one of the ones we just discussed just now. And it's got lots of guns. Potentially it's got something like burst fire or a reload booster. And you're just not going to be able to compete. Even if it's something like a Shimakaze, it's still going to kick your backside. And, um, okay. So, and then if it's a cruiser, same thing. Um, battleship, okay, you might be able to get off a few shots before it reloads. But what are you really realistically going to do with one gun? So I just, I don't really, unless you've surfaced beside a carrier, which gives it it's, more of that kind of historical role. It, it's worth noting it, it's SAP shells as well. So you can't even set fires with it. Sh shell. Shell. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you, I just you don't, know, it, it's interesting, but I just don't think anyone's ever going to use it. Well, what I've just I'm, noticed... You have twenty four thousand two hundred hit points at the mm. rate. Mm. Yeah, in a submarine. Okay. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's quite. I mean, they'd have to do that because otherwise, you're just never going to get a chance to use it. But it just strikes me as being a bit like having, you know, your like hider secondary or whatever. Like it's just, it's just going to be a non thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They should have given it. Rather increased hit points. I mean, uh, for comparison, Salmon has 17,800. U190 has 15,400. So that's a fair extra whack of hit points mm. on the premise that, hey, you'll surface and use this deck gun against things, right? Except uh, 
The problem no. with that is that they then have to balance the rest of the ship's features yeah, to compensate not, not for, for that, that increased hit points. And so they're going to have to reduce its torp damage, reduce its torp reload, uh, make it slow to surface and submerge, like do something to make it more vulnerable and, and to allow people to, to kill it. So, um, and that's potentially going to make it very frustrating to play because presumably you're going to have torps which maybe have a very long reload, for example, after balancing has gone through. You, you know, other ones have functional deck guns. I think the salmon does. Uh, U sixty nine does, and Cashelo also does, but they're all smaller caliber. None of them have functional AA, even if they have model AA guns. No. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the interesting part is, well, I mean, this is tier eight, so it could meet up to like tier six or so. So you, you're you're gonna meet destroyers that have like half your hit. And you still got like a 2.3 second reload on that one gun, uh, on that one gun with uh, 2,750 sap damage. And some just of imagine, those, like, you, you surface in front of I don't know, like I don't know, Halland or something, and you just like bang, and then they yeah, huh? Bang, 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 bang. Oh, you're dead. It's just, yeah, but like... <laughs> but imagine you surface in front of a Fubuki. and keep in mind that you oh. have like the the. Uh, the French uh, saturation going on on your yeah, sure, destroyer. Sure. So, you know, imagine the frustration if you're a Fubuki and you get gunned down by a submarine or something. That I mean, you don't have to engage it when it's full, the, full hit points even, right? If you maybe you've hit the top already and you've uh, yeah. got it down. Yeah, I, I just think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awkward to balance and it's going to be, and because of how they're going to have to balance it, it's going to be awkward to play, I think. I, I mean, I it's, fully it's expect it to not be balanced. I, I, well, it, it, that's, that's kind of going to lead me into what I was uh, going to say, that, you know, this this being the first, um, certainly first Tier 8 premium, we don't know what the Tier 10 German one they've announced is going to be available for, but this, this 100% is going to be, you know, straight up buy it premium. Uh, anyone that does buy it is is absolutely going to be doing so um, like, or they would have to expect that it will be subject to changes which premium ships normally aren't, because it's not like subs are fully finalized yet, and here they are testing that's out. That's the problem. Is yeah, not only are you taking the, the risk of buying a ship that's um, going to undergo balancing, you're also buying into a class that's um, yeah that's still undergoing test t- testing in inverted commas, despite the fact that they've been live for quite a while. I mean, the worrying um, part for me is that that they somehow consider subs to be near enough a final state that they're comfortable doing this. <laughs> Which, well, it, so, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they've announced a premium suggests to me that, that that also will come with it, the announcement that the submarines are final. And it has to, because you can't sell a premium while they're still in test, surely. Oh, well, that's what a reasonable person would say, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, all def, we all afraid that they'll announce in submarines are final. And since they have done so little changes recently to them, I'm, I'm very afraid that they'll just say, yep, this is fine now. Then my brain has just reminded me that for... Um, uh, what's the space game? The crazy, crazy space game that just had millions poured into it by the players. Oh, um, Star Citizen. Yes, just reminded me. My my brain just went. Yeah, but 
Star Citizen like sold the ships before they'd even started developing well, oh, them yeah, for like yeah, two thousand yeah. dollars each, and people bought them. So, so you know, who knows? Who knows? Mm. Um, but yeah, it it's I don't know. It's going to be awkward. It's also kind of dangerous because these kind of ships where balancing could lead to them feeling bad to play. Those ships tend to end up being these really horrible sort of thorns in the side of the balancing department because they sorry, uh, they um in order to make them feel okay to play they tend to need to be a little bit too strong um and then really their only recourse at that yeah. point is just yank it from sale and it doesn't solve yeah. the problem of the yeah. ship itself it just means fewer people have it or they end up with a very what i call uh steep skill slope so that a very, very good player in the ship can do amazingly well, whereas an average player doesn't do very well mm. because it's technically quite difficult to play. Um, it, it has a danger of falling into that as well, where someone who knows what they're doing with the hit points and the gun can can do very well with it, whereas you know the average casual player will just pop up on the surface and go, ha-ha, I've got a gun. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. Um, and, and perform below average compared to their performance in a normal territory. So, mm. so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, pe- people, I mean, you can counter that. I've, I've certainly encountered that a lot. Um, just, you know, on an ongoing basis of people, you know, they, they have this mindset of this, this ship should do this, and therefore, mm. you know, I, I will never fire my guns in a Japanese destroyer because it's, it's a torpedo-focused. I'm on the torpedo line, so therefore I must not use my guns, you know, stuff like that. So I can absolutely see people going, oh, I've got a, I've got this, this deck gun. I must surface and, and charge into combat on the surface and use my deck gun because I've got this deck gun. That, <laughs> that, that, that goes, is the problem. Hmm, people aren't playing very well at this. Let's buff it some more. It, that is exactly my point. People will feel like they have to try and use the gun, will do badly because of it, and then it will get buffed because the average performance stats are down. And then, like the the like super unicum submarine players are going, <laughs> excellent. I can I can grief even more now. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wargaming does seem to have a historically poor record of um, sort of judging player psychology in terms of when it comes to actually playing ships. And this is kind of by their own admissions on a, a couple of occasions, oh, we didn't really consider that factor. Um, like probably the most famous recent-ish example was, um, uh, oh, God, what was the, what was the long-range captain's skill? Deadeye. Deadeye, that was it, which, you know, they're like, oh, statistically, it's not going to have that big an, of an effect, but, you know, they, they which absolutely... Which on paper is true. They they did not, absolutely not consider how it was going to affect player behavior. Absolutely, it's you can't. It, it's not just a matter of putting some numbers into a spreadsheet and going, "Oh yeah, it's only a blah 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 percent increase." Like, yeah, but what are the how are the players going to react to that? It's, it's um, yeah, it's very very interesting because I was I was one of the people at the time when Dead Eye was released saying, "Yeah, but it's it's the you know it's not even the same bonus as the uh, the upgrade." So aiming mm. systems gives you a bigger mm. bonus. Um, so whatever, it's going to be fine. And then all the players are just like, I'm not going near the middle, you go near the middle. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got to keep my deadline bonus going. Change, yeah, exactly. Change the whole dynamic of the game, which is really interesting. And so just by making that one little change, you can change the whole structure of the game and how it's played. Um, 
So, um, so yeah, but, but fortunately, I don't think this falls into that category because any any changes in balancing and whatever only affect this one ship. I don't think um, don't think it's going to cause any problems like that. But um, but it does have that potential to become one of those griefing ships that um, that the really really good players like to play because they can do really well in it. Um, which yeah, gets it a bad reputation then, because you see one and you go, oh no, it's a blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, especially if it's then pulled because it's like overperforming or, or something like mm -hmm. that. And then people get even madder about it because they get farmed by something that they don't even have access to. Yep, true. Uh, that, that concludes about the, the new ships that's been announced. It's been rather quiet on, on DevBlocks recently, but we have yeah. just gotten a new patch with you. I, I was going to say, I, I wonder if, if this is the um, the effect of the studios uh, moving and, you know, the, the where the game is being developed being moved over. I wonder if that's starting to now kind of bite in terms of the lower amount of information we've been getting this month so i think uh in terms of game production i mean so uh, there's no reason why leicester studios itself um would be that badly affected especially compared to their other franchises um like tanks um where they're moving the whole literally the whole office but um um yeah i think it's just inevitable that because of that that legal split between the two companies and new arrangements mm. and new ownership and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll, we will see a slowdown. And of course it's not going to happen immediately. And so we're only probably now just starting to see the beginning of the effects of that because we've been seeing the stuff dropping off the end of the conveyor belt. Um, and that conveyor belt is like three years long because that's how long the development cycle is. Mm -hmm. and some, so, some of the um, stuff certainly. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, the, at least think, the rest think, of this year. We'll probably be seeing slightly slower release schedules. But, we've already seen, for example, Puerto Rico being re-released. That's definitely a symptom of we don't have enough content to put out, so we're just going to repeat something. I mean, that's yeah. that's uh, interesting. I hadn't even thought of that as being a you know a symptom of that, but uh, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite positive about that because it it gives people who didn't get a chance to get it last time. Or maybe didn't participate in the event because um, because it they didn't like the way it was set up. It, though I mean, if you look at what they did with the USS Black, <laughs> um, like if, if they purely set it up for uh, a, a, as whale bait, then that prices a lot of people out. Like if I didn't already have a USS Black, I certainly wouldn't be able to afford the. Or I, I wouldn't put that much money towards the slightly labyrinthine way of of. Uh, uh, the, the the method of getting it through the armory. Uh, uh, true, like, true. Um, it's sort of think... similar to the ruckus thing as well. As they've, they've kind of gotten to levels of um, obfuscation that you typically only see in in mobile free to play games. Oh, Which is not a good thing. Don't don't get me started on the the uh... <coughs> Diablo Immortal. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, I was having a rant about it on uh, my last ship stream where I was going through the armory going, look, you do realize that they've they've now introduced, I think it was three layers of separation between real yeah. money and the thing that you are purchasing in-game. Um, I mean... Yeah, to try and, just try and remove, completely remove your sense of what things are worth. Yeah, I, it is 100% a deliberate strategy that's been employed in, in mobile gaming for a long time now. 
I mean, the, the Rakus in the depot event is also like so much RNG on top of it because like the grand prize sort of thing that you get is a random container with like, like a random tier nine ship. But you have to buy those bundles for the tokens. And then with the tokens, you buy the other bundles. And then once you buy enough of the other bundles, you might get like that jackpot with, with the bundle that has the crate in it. That is random. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's certainly one of the more egregious. Uh, armory things they've ever done and just the fact that there isn't even a clear anything at the end of it it's literally well you'll, you'll get a crate that has some kind of t9 ship in it so it's like oh, oh, okay it's, it's pay real money to get a secondary resource that gives you a chance of getting another bundle which has a chance of getting you a ship which might be the ship that you want but that, that's too many stages there's too many steps ah, absolutely removed. it's it's uh, like if we go further down this route, and um, you know the fact that we're at this stage already, and, and um, you know sort of things are getting worse in this regard, um, it would certainly be a uh, a big black mark against ever recommending to warships warships to anybody. If, if I just, I just find it funny that they've extremely they've, manipulative. Style they've done a really of, uh, good job of publishing yeah, things, drop we, rates. They've done a really good job of publishing drop rates. Like. Like okay, yes, we're gonna we're gonna be very transparent about this, and they mm. have been like these are the drop rates from all the different crates and blah blah, and we're not gonna do any, um, you know, it's all gonna be pre-rolled and all this kind of stuff. But so they're doing that with one hand, and then with yeah. the other hand, they're adding more layers of obfuscation. Literally, like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. We, we talked Pretty about this bad. in the last podcast. We, we tried to have quite a positive one, and like stuff stuff that we had thought was quite good from the last year, and that that was one of the big. Sort of the, the the big the big ticket items was you know the, the the publishing of drop rates sort of not even being forced to do it um, and sort of getting out ahead of the curve of a lot of companies but um, you know then we have these events coming along and it's absolutely two steps back. Yeah, and I mean it's it doesn't even stop there. So there are three hundred token bundles that if you buy them all you pay I think seventy five thousand doubloons, which is what two hundred fifty bucks or something mm. like that. And then you didn't have enough tokens to actually open all the other bundles, which they now have apologized about. And they now allow you to buy additional tokens in the premium shop. So you can buy like, what, 65 tokens for only 12 euros. Give us some more money and we'll fix it for you. Yeah. Alternatively, you can ask for a refund, which means they roll back your account, which means everything you've done in the last week will be wiped. For example, like your daily crates that you claim will be wiped, so you wouldn't even be finished, able to finish a login bonus this month. Everything that you've unlocked, everything that you've found, everything you've done will be invalidated if you want to refund. I, I, I think we can file that one under malicious incompetence, to just, be honest. I, uh, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It, it, to me, it just smells of t- too many cooks spoiled the broth, you know that phrase? Um, yeah. where you've got some some people over there doing some really really good work on transparency and really listening to feedback. Um, you know the list of you know following the uh, the, the you know the, the group of CCs that left in protest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they published a bunch of like we'll do this and this and this and this to to rectify this situation, and they've they've done what they said they would do as I said like with one hand, but but there seems to be some other people because it can't be the same people because no manager would do both of those things. Because um, they'd be undermining themselves, and that there seems to be some other department who's um, doing this other stuff. And maybe this is a symptom of the split between Leicester and, and Wargaming. Um, maybe 
maybe one company is going in one direction and the other company is trying to push it in the other direction. Because now that they are separate, you will have this developer-publisher um, loggerheads where they're not quite working together quite as well. I mean, that's natural if you've got two companies because now they have their own well, separate I, financial interests. Yeah, it sort of depends. I mean, we still don't even know how far um, sort of Leicester's doing the active um, sort of development of the game because we, we know that... Oh, no, they absolutely are. Um, so, so Wargaming is now purely the publisher. Um, they're not doing any development as far as I know. Um, so all, okay. the, all the code development, as far as I know, is still happening in Leicester. Because I, so I, people... I, I thought it was um, that they were uh, basically bringing the, trying to bring the relevant people to some of the new studios they've been setting up in places like Poland. And I think that's uh, true for uh, their other franchises, but not for yeah. sure. I, d- I don't know. Anyway, it, it's all still very, it's all a bit unclear. Like we do, we did actually get a bit of news about Leicester, which is kind of uh, slightly adjacent to everything. It's not really directly to do with warships or anything, but that uh, they've signed some kind of partnership deal with uh, uh, VK, VContact, which is Russia's kind of equivalent of Facebook. Right? Facebook. Big, big social media company in Russia, basically. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it does seem to be some kind of partnership deal on the basis of, let me see if I can find the the actual article but it was kind of like esports and something else yeah but basically the article said that uh, they they partnered with them and that wargaming wants to push uh esports but, and i think content creation yeah leicester leicester wants to do that because they have such a good track record with uh, communication <laughs> with people and yeah. uh, managing content creation and such and and yeah, <laughs> don't get me started um, on. on it, it, it's it's not quite like VK having bought them, but um, yeah. For, well, I would imagine I'd imagine that VK have um, like Facebook together. has yeah. Facebook gaming. I'd imagine VK has VK gaming. Um, so we'll we'll see what comes out of that. I mean, it's 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 a bit of news, but we don't really know how it if, if it's going to affect anything or how it affects anything. Speaking of affecting uh, yeah. things, there is also like in this patch came the return of Cornwall, which is also weirdly badly felt out. Or should I say? I mean, this is this is not like in, I mean, Convoy has been changed and came back, but this time they seem to have gone completely nuts when it comes to the matchmaking because apparently one team having a tier eight carrier and the other team having a tier ten carrier is balanced matchmaking these days. This 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 is how bad it's gotten, right? This this is like they. They rebalanced Convoy, but for some reason they've just run the matchmaker through a shredder and thought, like, you know what? Why don't you have some randomness in, in the matchmaking? Random is good, right? Open a loot box when you press battle. So, in my experience, they tend to use those um, temporary battle modes as test beds. So it might be that they are testing uh, whether it would be viable to, um, to relax the matchmaking uh, settings slightly. It uh, doesn't mean that they'll do it. It just means that they're exploring the possibility I mean, of doing it. Or it could be as simple as just like, well, you know, it's a random event. Uh, it's, or it's, a, it's a temporary event. It doesn't last very long. It doesn't matter. It doesn't go into your stats. Um, so we'll just relax the matchmaker just to, you know, improve the queue times and make it a bit more interesting. Uh, which honestly I'm fine with. I think that, that's, that's yeah, good. It's, it's, there are worse ways to do it. I mean, subs also can finally participate in Convoy, um, which I actually did have a go at myself and managed to, uh, getting on the attacking team and actually getting to sync some of the transports in the sub was quite satisfying. 
Uh, it's like it's like the the one mode in which submarines actually do kind of make some <laughs> some kind of sense. Yeah, um, I still don't understand why they never did a submarine versus convoy something like PVE or just something. Uh, yeah, there hasn't been anything since the original Halloween no event sense. in like was it twenty eighteen. Whatever yeah, it, it makes, was, it makes no sense because, like, yeah. if you think about like what submarines did historically, you would think that they would attempt to, like, say in some kind of way, do that. Because um, think about it, it'd be really cool. Either have one team that is entirely submarines, and the other team is uh, entirely bot convoy ships and protection and, and make an operation, or do the same thing. Where it's asymmetrical, but the the defending um, escorts are played by players. So I, just like the current escort, the current convoy mode, but just with one team that's all submarines. Yeah, I, I mean they've they've been allergic to doing anything with operations for a really long time, and we still haven't heard anything about their plan to bring back some of the previously removed operations. So that's you know, in theory, happening at some point. But yeah, yeah, it absolutely would make sense to have done that, but. <laughs> they yes. are very resistant to to some good ideas. Yeah, unfortunately. You also reminded me that with the the, the, uh, the the CVs. I mean, back way back in the the era of RTS CVs, and uh, um, going back towards the early years of the game itself, it, it was possible to even have matches where you had a CV on one team and none on the other, and I think that was one of those things where there had to be a community outcry before they finally said, all right, we'll make a matchmaking rule where there has to be a CV on each team. It's so, a very delicate issue, though, because, I mean, this topic has come up so many times. Um, you know, every, almost, it seems like almost every time they do anything to do with um, introducing a new class or tweaking something or changing the matchmaker, like this debate comes back up again. And yeah. Like on on the one hand, you've got the how it was back in the early days of the game when it was very very loose, like three tier matchmaking, or even, I think it was even four tier. I think there was there was a point in the game where there was no restriction on divisions, and so you could have a tier one mixed with a tier ten going into a tier ten battle. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, correctly. yeah. I mean, it was a valid strategy for a while of people taking mm-hmm. the umikazes into tier exactly. ten games when yeah. back when flooding was much more dangerous than it yeah. is now. Exactly, and. And, and there being the you know asymmetry and all that kind of stuff, um, so that's like one end of the scale. The other end of the scale is this horrible utopia of everything is completely balanced. So you know both teams have exactly the same ships. You balance the the uh, divisions precisely. You balance the players precisely. You balance the radars precisely. The hydros, the torps, everything. So each team is identical. So not only would you have twenty minute wait times. Um, you would also have extremely boring, very closely matched games that, like, every single game is a nail-biter. You don't want that. <laughs> Trust me, you do not want that. Uh, you, you need variety, you need some of the games to be really, really close, and you do need some of the games to be, like, yeah, we just won, or we just lost. Because that keeps it interesting. You, you, can't, you can't have every single game going to time, and every single game just being everyone being like a COTS final where everyone's just hiding behind an island waiting for someone else to make a mistake <laughs> because that's really, really boring. <laughs> so, um, so I, and, and the, you know, the, the best position is I think somewhere in the middle where yes, there needs to be some balancing. You do need the, the unique ships like the carriers to be balanced. Absolutely. They need to be mirror match made. 
but but having you know one team that has gunboat destroyers and the other team has torpedo destroyers that's fine because they have different qualities that have different roles and that doesn't necessarily mean that that one team or the other has the advantage um because it's up to those players to play to the strengths of the ships they're playing and, and the same thing with radars like the the radar ships are balanced to have a radar the fact that they have a radar makes them strong means that they're weaker in other areas compared to a, sh- a cruiser that doesn't have a radar that's going to be stronger in those areas. So so having mismatched radar, personally, I think is fine. Um, but there are you know, people extent. who, who people yeah. think that, that that has to be mirror match made. And that's a dangerous path to go down, I think. It, it, um, that you can get outlier games, and true, they don't happen that often, but if one team has like three or four radars and it's a domination game, the other team has no radars, that that is not fun. Like the radar ships have to spectacularly mess up to throw away that advantage. Um, but as you said, you know, the, the, the number of times that happens is pretty low. Yeah. And it you are equally likely any, to be on one team as you are on the other team. It doesn't make it any less frustrating when it happens, but at least it, it's not. No, but I, I think the situation where the, the battles were, were very heavily mirror match made would be even more frustrating. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I, I prefer I the variety. Point. I, I personally, I take it like when I look at when I look at the the team lineups for a match, um, I'm like, oh, they've got such and such, and I'm I'm like, let's say I'm I'm playing a reload Yugomo, no smoke, and I look at the enemy team, it's like three radars and a carrier. I'm like, ooh, okay, uh, that's a challenge, <laughs> and I, I try and take it as as a challenge uh, to do well in that match, despite the fact that all the you know everything is against me. Um, rather than just going, oh, I can't play this game. It's you know, it's just useless. I try and try and get something done. I mean, I true enough. To but I feel like you, it, it can't extend to that point where you look at the matchmaker and you feel like you've already lost because you've you've had bad draw, right? And it's uh, it doesn't happen that often, but it can go to to that extent. So I think the the most I've seen is seven raiders versus none. And uh, that, that's that's obviously not something that happens on a very, uh, that's not happening very often. But at, at some limitations need to be at, at, at some point. I think it's it's then, still then where would you stop? So, currently. So you, so you we're we're talking about radar as being a thing which is strong, but what about just a ship that has really strong gun power? What about a ship that has really strong torps? What about a ship that has hydro? What about a ship that has def AA? What like you'd have to because radar is this thing that is highly visible, but there are things and there are there are features of ships in the game which are just as strong. Um, so would you well, I mean, match you said, those? You said that's defensive true. on that list. I'm not sure I'd include defensive as a thing that's strong, <laughs> but that's by the by. The the thing um, the the problem that that I see is that in a domination game mode you can totally win by just taking objectives right and if one team basically has the tools to prevent the other team from taking the objectives while still be able to take them themselves then it's a problem and it's not just about like fighting power like yes you can it can be like okay there is a raider there I'm not gonna get that close I'm gonna try to play around it but if they can stop you from taking the objectives and you can't counter their tools, then it's a lost game. Unless your team like really screws up. And that's that's I think where, where wargaming often goes wrong. They they wargaming isn't aware that the team actually that the game has things like objectives and that ships have roles, right? It's not so much about 
mirroring everything. It's about making sure that each team can cover the necessary roles for a battle. I feel like either things like uh, support functions like raiders or spotting or uh, capping or tanking and so on. And that's, I mean, it's still kind of working, but the problem is the more you populate the same category of ships with ships that fill different roles, the more likely you're going to end up in a scenario where one team just can't cover a certain role. Simply because we, we, we can't, we aren't like in League of Legends where you, you're in a lobby and you can pick, right? Everybody picks a tank and everybody picks a support and so on. So if you're all going to be thrown together randomly, then you need to make sure that at least in most cases, both teams can cover vital roles. Yeah, I, I agree to to some extent. Um, it's uh, it, it's something that can be frustrating, but I think um, the the randomness in the matchmaker kind of smooths it out in the long run. Um, I mean, certainly in the long run. I, I don't know. It's the yeah. kind of thing I would I would not be unhappy to see some kind of soft matchmaking rule put in place. Yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah. So you could have um, you know no more than a discrepancy of two radars difference mm. between the two teams or something like that, but. But, but as I, I personally, I think if you did it for radar, you would have to do it for a whole bunch of other stuff because um, there's some other stuff in the game that is just as strong. Um, yeah, that's so, true. So, so yeah, I, I think radar is this thing that's really, really in the forefront of players' minds, but it is not the only thing that swings matches. Yeah, that's that's fair. Smokes would be another one, I suppose. Particularly the players, because like, one of the other common yeah. things is, oh, you've got to mirror match make the players. Like, really? <laughs> I'm... That's that's a that's a problematic rabbit hole that you go down there. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, speaking yeah. of uh, more positive things, we finally got a new map. Although it comes with a little bit of uh, sadness attached, because for some weird reason, Wargaming has not decided to give priority to the new map. Right? So I've seen people be like, "I've played like every day for a week, and I haven't seen the new map once." So. Right now, we are in this weird situation where we finally got a new map, but you're probably not going to play it or, well, very, very little. Because Wargaming has decided, you know what? Nobody wants to see this new map anyway. Just look at it and at, at the browser and then, you know, open your loot box and see if it, you find a new map inside. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it once so far, uh, but yeah, it would be, uh, you, you were saying this, um, I think yesterday, it would be, be nice to... Uh, for something like a new map, if you had a, a slightly increased or a chance of seeing it in the the immediate patch where it's introduced, you think they want to promote the content that they've just introduced yeah. and say like, "Hey, for the next for the next uh, four weeks, um, this is going to be you know like four times as as popular, and then we'll put it back down to what we want it to be." It, it was so certainly you, you know showcase the the effort they've put into it and it's a good looking map i, I can't really speak so much as to how it plays because i've only played one game on it but it really does um look like the pharaohs yeah i had a good fly around of it when it was on pts and uh, it's a very pretty map um the underwater is very nice if you're a submarine player it's got some pretty features under there um it's got some really interesting islands there's if i remember correctly there's a couple of sort of slab-shaped islands in the middle that have this sort of very gentle slope going backwards, so you can hide behind them, but a battleship from the other side can definitely lob their shells down. Mm-hmm. So if you if you decide to hide behind there in like a Russian carrier or something that needs to get close, um, that's going to be very effective. But if you get spotted, you're going to be at risk. And the same with radar cruisers. 
So I thought that was a very interesting kind of risk reward balance kind of position. But no, I haven't played it either because I've only logged into World of Warships once since the patch hit. And uh, I didn't get it in the rotation. So uh, so no, I haven't seen it play yet. Yeah, I've I've, I've gotten it uh, four times in the last week. Three times with a Kurfürst <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. Uh, I, I like it uh, because it, it has a lot of islands that allow you to approach the enemies. And islands that cruisers can, can work with. If, as long as they are not spotted. And also some islands that surface torpedo cover and make it interesting to, to that, that it can be somewhat torpedo safe or so while you approach. It's, it's interesting. I want to see it with, with different classes and different ships. But so far I've enjoyed it. The other thing I found interesting about it was that it... Um, so... So one map that I find particularly frustrating, for example, is Greece, because um, the spotting on Greece is very, very patchy, particularly on the west side of the map, the A-cap mm. side. Ships tend to sort of, because there's like little tiny gaps in between the islands, and then you've got these big walls of islands, the spotting tends to be sort of something pops up and then goes down, and then pops up and then goes down, uh, as ships drive past these gaps. And... Um, so I was very pleased to see that it didn't look like that. And it looked more like sort of Crash Zone Alpha or um, Northern Waters or something like that, where you've got these big, long islands, but there's plenty of open space in between them. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to get into a position where you can spot, you can. Um, so that's quite nice for someone who's actively trying to spot and help the team. Um, and you've got these sort of dangerous torpedo corridors for the, the destroyers that have longer torps or cruisers that have longer torps. Um, so, so yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays competitively as well. If it gets put into any of the tournaments or into clan battles, I think it could make quite a good competitive map. Yeah, well, it's hopefully been, uh, worth the wait. And I guess we'll have to see what they come up with for whenever their next one is, but it might be a while before we get another one. Hopefully less of a, a long time than it took to get mm. this one though, now that they've mostly if not wholly done with um doing all the underwater stuff on all the existing maps because i imagine that slowed things down a lot i mean we've been waiting what two and a half years or so for this one so let, let's hope that the uh, next one is gonna be a lot faster so as ever we can say thank you submarines yeah <laughs> thanks submarines Speaking of submarines, they, by the way, they have now uh, a, well, a, a soft limit for, for submarines and destroyers. But if the matchmaker completes in like 39 seconds, then you get uh, no more than four destroyer and submarines combined. Which is welcome. Certainly prior to this patch, I, I did have experience of a couple of games where it was like four destroyers and a sub and a carrier, and it, it it doesn't like that that's a lot fewer hit points on the table for everybody kind of thing and i know hit points aren't that important for for xp it's it's it's, it's the percentage of someone's health that you take that matters um but the other uh, the other effect it does is something that i heard um i think flammo i think it was the first person i heard say it where when you have that kind of matchmaking where you end up with a whole load of submarines and a whole load of destroyers and a carrier is that 
the ships that are left, who are the ones who are going to be spotted most often, particularly the battleships, um, they're basically sat there. There's like, like four of them, <laughs> like mm. including both teams, like two battleships. And they're just kind of looking at each other across the map, like looking around going, have you seen anyone else? Because you can't see, because like if the destroyers aren't shooting, the submarines are under the water or or not, not engaging. The carriers sat at the back. And so all you see is like two battleships and some planes. And that's all you see. And so yeah. you look around the map and the, the map just looks from the point of view of the looking at the enemy. All you can see is like two ships most of the time. And, and it, it makes it the maps all- feel very empty. It almost reminds me, and this is completely anecdotal, I'm going on my memory, so it might be slightly wrong, but way back in the day in World of Tanks, before they had any kind of limit on the number of artillery per team, uh, it, it was possible to have, like out of a team of 15 per side, it was possible to have 10 plus of those people being artillery. And there's one particular story that stuck in my mind from, I think, probably Reddit or the forums, where somebody either described a game or they put up a... I think it was a screenshot, actually. It was literally them hiding under a bridge with, like, the only other non-artillery player on the enemy team, and they just declared a truce and both hid under this bridge together and let the artillery duke it out against each other because it was, like, 14 versus 14 artillery. So those two those two remaining non-artillery players were just like, nope, screw this, and both just huddled under a bridge together. So uh, it, 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 it's a little reminiscent saying... of that almost. Coming back to what we were saying earlier about Deadeye, it's that kind of thing that can change the meta massively. Yeah, how so it, it really had, does yeah, influence how people if play. You've got, if you've got five destroyers and two submarines on each team, and like one cruiser, where's that cruiser player going to be? They're not going to be at the front, because they're like, hell no, I'm not getting spotted by one of those seven ships that can yeah. spot me. No, no, I'm going to stay at the back. And then, this, and then the battleships go, well, there's no one screening for me, uh, so I'm going to sit at the back as well. And and the whole battle just sort of takes a step back, and so so yeah no it's they, there are problems with that limitation, but I think the benefits outweigh the the, yeah, the negatives. It, um, it's a step forward to to last patch anyway. I'm hoping so we go back here. to seeing more kind of like four 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 style uh, games where it's four battleships, four cruisers, and then four. We need a term for like destroyers and submarines, but four little boats um, because I my experience of the last month or so is that most battles have like one cruiser. So I mean, cruisers have, have long felt, especially the high tiers, they've long felt rather squashed to me or rather underrepresented in the, in, in the matchmaker. It's it's been... Everyone at the moment, everyone always wants to play battleships. It's the, the far, by far and away the most popular class always mm. has been. Um, and then because of the introduction, I think of so many gunboat destroyers, loads of people like and want to play the gunboat destroyers. And the submarines seem to be quite popular as well. Um, and so just so the cruisers are just sort of waning in popularity, it seems. You look at the numbers of, in like the categories of the matchmaker, um, which I'm honestly surprised they still put on the screen. Um, cruisers are never very many. See that those numbers are there because when Wargaming told you to just dodge against carriers, they meant in the matchmaker. So if you see them in there, you press leave the queue. Very true, very true. But uh, the, the weird thing is, like, the matchmaker has been weird recently, a lot, I feel. It's like, because, yes, I've had battles even without cruisers, right? They were just destroyers, submarines, carrier, and battleships. And then there is this one game that I've had was it yesterday. Well, it was this week, I think. And it was just no destroyer, no submarine. I think eight cruisers per team. 
and a few battleships. And you go look at this and it's like, why? Like, I've had so many battles where there's basically no cruiser and then suddenly you get, you get one game and there's like eight cruisers per side. Like, why matchmaker? It's not like they, they didn't suddenly pop up this second, right? Why didn't you dis- disperse them over the other battles that I've played over the whole evening? Things I think if you have a uh, game that has matchmaking like that, where where players have to sit in a in a bin and wait for a match, there's obviously this this point where players as human beings will just get bored of waiting and, and exit and um, and close the game. And so obviously the companies need to find a balance between a pleasant game experience that encourages you to keep playing and keep spending money on the game, and then. Uh, a matchmaking setting that causes you not to get bored and wander off. And, and so, you know, the, the, it, it's going to be a delicate balancing ma- uh, act, I'd imagine. And it's very difficult. Yeah, to but find the, this, the this was like a prime time and battles oh, usually sure, sure. took, took like only like 30 seconds or so too much anyway. So there wouldn't have mm-hmm. been any problem to find enough ships to like properly disperse the cruisers, right? It's, it's just felt weird that suddenly in this one match, there were all the cruisers that I've been missing for almost the entire evening. Yeah, I've seen that. It's also, I've recently had once again a, a match where there was a, a destroy imbalance, like one team had two destroyers, the other team had three. And they basically have decided that a Fiji is the equivalent to a T8 destroyer. And there wasn't a single, uh, there wasn't like a fail division, because often fail divisions can produce that. There wasn't any weird ship. It was full teams, like on both sides, all filled up. And... I mean, yes, if somebody sits in a matchmaker for like five minutes, weird stuff happens. But there was no reason why this would have happened, right? There wasn't... It was, again, prime time, right? I wonder there if they've been making some, some undocumented tweaks to... I mean, I wonder if they are making like uh, unintended un, uh, tweaks, like when they <laughs> when they like decided, you know... Well, this patch, also they've possible. limited the number of submarines and destroyers to get. I wouldn't be surprised if they have uh, accidentally done something else. But but this is like where, well, because I can understand it, I've been in matches where there is like, I don't know, it, it's suddenly only like five versus five because somebody sat in the queue for five minutes and there's a fail division mm. and the, the matchmaker tried somehow to match the fail divisions or whatever. And with if something like goes wrong, then this, this still happens. But if you just have like a perfectly normal match, and it was uh, it was a tier nine match, and it's like it was prime time, and there was absolutely no weirdness going on, and I'm like, what what just went wrong here? Yeah, it does make you wonder. Like, how does the matchmaker, as you say, at prime time when there's hundreds in the queue, how do you end up with a game that's like two battleships and ten cruisers, while every other match you've had that evening has been um, no cruisers? Or one cruiser, or two cruisers. Does does make you wonder. I mean, there's naturally going to be sort of just coincidental peaks and troughs in who's in the queue, but but you'd think with that many people in the queue that it would even out reasonably well. Yeah. Who knows? But then again, you know, I I kind of as long as it's not all the time, I kind of look at those kind of matches, especially late at night, because I you know when I'm playing ships, mm-hmm. I stream you know pretty late at night usually. And so the queue gets reasonably empty, especially a bit lower down the tiers. And so you can end up with like 4v4 and completely asymmetrical and all this kind of weird old matchmaking. 
as you get to sort of four or five minute queues. And um, I kind of look at those like, right, cool, let's go. Like four and four, <laughs> let's, let's go. It's, yeah, some, it's something different. different. Certainly. Because when you've, when you've played the game, you know, for years, um, different is good. And, um, but when it's every single match where it's two submarines, five destroyers, one cruiser, and it's just like, oh, come on. So, um, I, mean, so I, I quite like the variety. I agree on this. Like, I also like when they do like the three versus three brawl. So, so that mm-hmm. it's such a breath of fresh air because it plays entirely different. And you just, yeah, like now I play some brawls, just press W, go in, it's three versus three brawl a little bit in the center and then, uh, have a little bit of, of, a, uh, something fresh compared to like the random battles. Yeah, exactly. Then in, in other not so exciting news, they, they have a submarine balance changes. And this is what, what I said earlier. The, it seems like Wargaming is very happy with how submarines perform because they only make these very small changes, right? So they now have like a what 3% dispersion or so when they launch their torpedoes. So they aren't exactly in a straight line, which doesn't seem to be doing that much so far. And it's interesting because they have tested this on internally and they started with like 12% dispersion. And in, I think, less than a week, they were like, no, 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 we've nerfed submarines, abort, abort, reduce the number <laughs> to something that does nothing. And they have reduced the number to something that does nothing and presented it proudly as balance changes. I would imagine that probably came down to it made them very frustrating to play because when you're... When you're in a submarine and it's like, it's like you know it's like firing a gun like like a rifle, like you, you're expecting the t- the torp to go with where you want it to go, and you, you launch it and you see this like in a normal volley. Let's say you're playing a normal destroyer and you launch five torps in a volley, um, you will notice that there is some kind of wonkiness in mm. the dispersion mm-hmm. in the torps. But it doesn't it's matter because you've got you've got five torps going out in a line, and it doesn't really matter if there's a bit of dispersion. It's just like although, oh, okay, although cool. sometimes you end up with that perfect ship's shape, <laughs> ship sized gap yeah, opening up do. in the spread. You do. That's true. Um, but I think if it's a bit different, if you're in a submarine and you're firing like in a line, you're going to really notice like twelve percent dispersion. That's at the end of the run, like at the end of the range. That's a huge disparity, and that's going to make them very. It's very frustrating to play. If they they didn't try some smaller number that that wasn't sort of just going back to how it was before, like splitting the difference and making it like six or seven percent. Trying that at least. Personally, I'm I'm just not a big fan of of that whole dispersion thing. And um, I mean, it it makes less sense for for torpedoes overall, I suppose. Yeah, I I would much prefer to see the balancing done with damage. Um, Just just reduce the alpha. If you, if you think the torps are too strong, just reduce the alpha. Reduce the flooding chance. Something True. Like the, I think the, the main problem that they are having is that submarines are just way too good at shotgunning. Or for example, like if you want to... If in, in a destroyer, if you're approaching a submarine, the submarine just, you know, pops you through your nose and there's nothing you can do about it. And I feel like their original plan was like, okay, if we give them some dispersion, then you you can still if you're off a broadside of a battleship or any ship then you can still launch all of your torps into it right but if something is nose on then you can't just like force all of your torps into the nose and there is no no counter right but i guess yeah, they've probably. decided they don't want it after all yeah i think the, the, and it's another one of these examples of like you, you introduce a change to fix one particular problem which maybe is that you know uh, dolphining nose on single line torpedoes to the nose 
great, okay, so that dispersion, 12% dispersion means you're going to miss some of those torps, and it makes it a lot more comfortable for the person who's getting dolphined. But then that same submarine in a different situation where they're trying to snipe a battleship at long range, it's going to be very, very frustrating for the submarine player because their torps are going to be all over the place. Um, I mean, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes like the, the non-homing, like if you're homing, it still doesn't matter, right? But it makes the non-homing, uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I suppose that is Persian when you played homing. That the problem is, once again, that Wargaming has no idea how to fix the problems with submarines, it looks like, right? So they, they see a pro- potential problem, they try a fix, the fix creates another problem, so they just be like, yeah, let's just not do anything. Let's make a premium submarine instead. They seem to be going for uh, trying to get to a least bad state rather than an actual, you know, fixed, fun, definitely. playable no, state, de- which I'm not even de- sure definitely. is possible. But Definitely. Um, I, I, I still maintain that the, the best the submarines have ever been was the Halloween event. Oh, yes. Unfortunately. It's just they just don't fit. Mm. <laughs> which is really sad. Because I was really I, excited about them. But, yeah. I, I think they've said that they're going to bring that back this year. I mean, well, Halloween is still oh. a way off, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, that's pretty much the only, apart from uh, the Normandy evacuations one, Dynamo, was it? Yes. That's pretty much the only operation that I've played more than once each. Because <laughs> I just, it was really cool. I really liked it. Yeah, that's one of the ones I hope does actually come back. I think they were, obviously they would be updated with the new mechanics. Oh yeah, that. I mean, yeah. But yeah, that would be cool. Also, by the way, important thing to mention is this bug fixed the, the replay vulnerability. Yes, so that was you can can open like replays again. Um, for the, for those that weren't aware, basically, um, they discovered that there was a a potential for someone to, um, I think, essentially just execute malicious code or something bad anyway from uh, from a replay file that someone had sent you, which obviously... Arbitrary you know, code... I used to work in IT security. Arbitrary code execution is the phrase. Yeah. Which yeah, could be, you know, o- opening up a, a link and downloading something onto your computer... Yeah, without I mean, you being aware of it, sort of thing, and they could have installed a keylogger, uh, deleted your files, or just recrawled you. Yeah. So fair play to them; they did respond to that pretty quickly. So uh, that's good. Yeah. And also, the community responded pretty well by, like, you know, it, a lot of the discords, including mine, um, you know, removed their replays channels and all this kind of thing to minimize the risk of anyone yeah. uh, oh. being sent or picking up a, a malicious file. We can definitely chalk that up to, uh, in this particular instance, um, you know, good good communication from Wargaming. To, to give some credit where it's due. So is there anything else, um, Warship I mean, news-wise? I mean, the, the Transformers thing is back. I think there's some uh, sewer lane stuff going on. But, yeah, uh, I got blasted by a big, you know, Transformers, it's going away soon. Get out your credit card. Yeah, Pete was when saying I just now that he, was, he felt like he was being threatened by the article. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, really, you need to do this. 
Okay. Yeah. So again, those those mobile game tactics where it's just splash screen ad after splash screen ad every time you you know you you change screen to another screen. I'm I'm definitely a Johnny Come Lately when it comes to mobile games, but I thought I'd try out one of the Star Trek ones, and uh, it's it's fairly atrocious. The prices are really bad as well. Anyway, that's by the way. Coming to it from a position of never having been, never having been exposed to that stuff, it's just you, you, you're not um, desensitized to it, and so you really notice it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Even, even sort of knowing what to expect, I still found it fairly kind of uh, obnoxious and in your face. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, wargaming is taking their cues from from that mobile gaming sphere for some of their more recent monetization things, as we covered earlier. Interesting to see what World of Warships would have been had it been a um, uh, like a premium game, like a you know you you buy mm. and then you play. It would have been really interesting to see. And, I mean, a lot it would have been as not free play. A lot of mobile games are doing it, doing that these days. So sort of releasing not only on mobile but on, on PC platforms as well. Mm. Whereas uh, with wargaming, we we at least had the separate thing of. Um, uh, Blitz, which I don't know what the monetization is like in Blitz, actually, but uh, I don't know. I've, I've I've not heard it being described as particularly awful for a mobile game. So who knows? I've played it briefly just because I was curious what it was like. I actually really enjoyed playing it. Um, the the mechanics are kind of interesting. Like you can aim your secondaries manually, for example, which is kind mm. of I think oh, you can do that in the console um, version as well. Mm. Um. I don't remember it being overtly. Oh, this was quite a while ago, but I don't remember it being overtly salesy. Mm. Um, I guess that could have changed. By the way, I've just uh, opened that that uh, article for the Transformers. There is at the bottom. You can either join like the Autopods or the Decepticons, and then you get like a short mission off. And then I think you can get like a free com- uh, free captain. So if you want Transformers captain. There you go. At least they fixed, they're letting they fixed you... the buttons because when I looked earlier, the buttons weren't working, and I reported. Uh, yeah, seem to seem to be working. Okay, they fixed it. Um, what is it you get from that? Oh, commander. Yeah, I suppose you know, free commander, whatever. Uh, at least they're letting you buy camo separately in this one. Like that's, that's a frequent annoyance of, um, like with. with it's not as bad as it was at one point, but there's a lot of these events they do where there's there's camos and commanders and whatever, and it's in a bundle, inflated with other things that I just don't want, like consumable camos or, or signals or credits or whatever. So there's, there's been some stuff that I've missed out on that I would have liked to have gotten if it had just been available for me to buy individually instead of an inflated bundle. So that's, I guess, vaguely to be lauded. For them doing people like know, cosmetics, I, I think. A reasonable um, thing. Wargaming's always been weirdly. Yeah. Like, we're at the stage where we do have, now have a lot of different perma cameras and things in the game, but but you know we're only just now getting to the, the point where they're they're doing the the separation of of looks from from economic bonuses and like they've they've always been weirdly behind the times, uh, considering how big of a thing cosmetics are in in so many other games, not just free to play games, but you know. Um, uh, like paid games with microtransactions, which are a whole other, you know, like that's one of the things that they've heavily monetized uh, from, from for, some, for some companies anyway. So it's really well. Like the, the game that springs to mind in that kind of category is Elite Dangerous. They did a really good job 
of mm. having a triple A AAA game where so you pay up front to play the game. But then you can pay like a little bit of money. I'm talking like like really affordable, like a few pounds, like two pounds, three pounds to to paint your ship a different color. Yeah, I'll get it's some totally not necessary. It's completely or... cosmetic. But people put some, were all over put it. some big spoilers on your ship, yeah, or like people, yeah, yeah, people loved it. Um, so you know, people love cosmetics, and the same with um, like Fortnite, for example. Like like Epic have made millions and millions of dollars selling selling cosmetics. Yeah, I mean, um, any any MMO that you play these days has usually a way to transfer cosmetics from from the stats, right? Because they they say, okay, make your character look like you want. And then there are often, even in MMOs, like contests where, where people like present like their their costumes, yeah. basically. It's, it's always felt to me like they've just willingly left so much money on the table with their pursuit of um, their market, so bundles maybe, and maybe, the, the maybe way they've... Maybe it's a marketing thing. Maybe it's a cultural uh, thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I, it's just some of their marketing decisions, I'm just like, why? The one that I often bring up is Champagne. Because that was the first of their what I call stealth releases, where they just didn't tell anyone. Like, hey, we've released mm. a premium ship, except we're not going to release it anywhere. We're maybe going to do a quiet news article, but we're not going to do any pop-ups or port messages or anything. Uh, we're not going to post it anywhere, and it's just going to be available for a week, and then we'll take it down again without telling you. Why didn't you buy the ship? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, I like I was playing my champagne. Obviously, mm-hmm. I got for free as a CC, mm. and I had people coming into chat going, "Oh, when's that coming out?" Like, it was out. You missed it. Because cause they didn't tell anyone. Yeah, just, it's, it's, it's just weird. Why? why? Just, just occasionally you do, you do look at some of the decisions they, they make, yeah. and if you didn't know any better, you would think to yourself, Wargaming, why do you hate making money? Yeah. No, <laughs> with, with that champagne example, I think it was almost like someone in the marketing department had heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm. didn't quite understand how to implement it. <laughs> so like, okay, we need to make it really, you know, really short availability so that people are like, oh, I must have that ship and then they buy it. Except they forgot to announce the ship that the ship had been released and tell people when it was being removed, which are like the two fundamental things to trigger FOMO. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just, I, I've given up. I've given up despairing because they do it so often. It is and weird. I, and it's not my business. I'm not making any money from it, so. As Fu in the chat mentions as well, I mean, there's other games. I mean, he's very familiar with uh, Elder Scrolls Online, but um, Warframe's another one where there's this almost kind of separate side of the game where you know people like essentially put on fashion shows from their characters and just kind of like show off the uh, the cosmetic stuff they've got, which in of itself, you know, that is that is a a marketing tool that that companies can use is is getting their players to essentially you know show off the stuff to other players and other players go, Oh, I, I, I quite like that. And like a lot of the time in, in, in world of warships, you know, you might see someone, I, I was watching, uh, after a time stream last night and then popped on and watched, uh, Rita for a bit after he hosted her and, and she had a skin on her Nelson. And I was like, Oh, I don't recognize that. And it was, I think one of the Azulane ones. And presumably it had been either, either I completely missed it being on sale or, um, it, it was in a bundle and therefore I passed up on it. But, you know, like the, I saw the thing and thought, oh, that was, that, that looks quite nice. I wonder if I could go and buy that. And of course I can't. So they're, they're completely missing out on, on the potential of somebody seeing a thing in game and going, oh, I quite like that and going and buy it themselves. It's just weirdly backwards. 
Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure for 62,000 doubloons, you could buy like a, a probably like a sewer lane bundle. It's fine. I, I don't need to eat for the next two weeks or however know. long. <laughs> I just think for all businesses, if a customer comes to you holding some money and says, here, please take my money, the answer should always be, okay, I'll yeah. take your money. Fine. You 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 want that one specific paint job? Fine. Like it's not affecting the mechanics of the game. It's not affecting anyone else's gameplay. Um, like just just yeah, fine. Have it. I don't care. Give me money. I, and and any business that doesn't do that, I, just, I, just, I just don't get it. Don't get it. They they are doing not nearly as well as they could be doing. And they're certainly hurting themselves. We assume. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Know, maybe we're the idiots, and maybe they've cracked it, and maybe, maybe they're, they're obviously doing. They're doing well enough with their whale hunting of like hundred euro. Like the biggest transformers bundle is one hundred and eighty-two well, pounds, which is going to be what nearly two hundred euro around that. I noticed, euro. I noticed yeah. in the yeah. in last week's nutshell video um, with that the new presenter, uh, not the one from today, was it the one from last week? Um, mm where she's walking around Leicester Studios and in one of the rooms that she's recording in, there was an indoor like rock water feature in the background, like a glass case with rocks <laughs> in it and a waterfall. So I'm thinking well, you're definitely making enough money if you can afford like indoor yeah. water features. I mean, to be fair, uh, uh, I don't know if this is, is necessarily true or not, but given, given the relative cost of living, they're, they're probably... Uh, the developers, people working for wargaming, are probably relatively better than people um, you know, working for for companies like Activision Blizzard, who are you know huge, hugely profitable, and yet you have workers who literally cannot afford to eat at their own um, studio canteen kind of thing because they're just so poorly paid. So, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Activision Blizzard's been in the news a bit the last two weeks. A little bit, None yeah. Just, just for a good bit. reasons. No, just a bit. Yes. Um, so um, the other, the, the last thing is kind of uh, warships adjacent, uh, unless there's any other actual warship stuff to talk about. But yeah, should we otherwise get onto the Samuel B. Roberts? Yeah. To cap things off. So last year, um, the USS Johnston, the wreck of the USS Johnston was found. And this is one of the, the very famous ships that, was part of Taffy Three, and to, to that date was the deepest shipwreck ever found, and that's actually been surpassed by the location of the Samuel B. Roberts, which is a destroyer escort that was also part of Taffy Three. And if you don't know the story of Taffy Three, I'm sure Drakenfeld's got a video on it. There's probably numerous other videos on YouTube because the whole thing is just. Um, it's one of those, and I've seen it described this way multiple times, but it's one of those things where if you put the whole thing kind of just very factually into a Hollywood film, a lot of people would assume it was made up and just completely Hollywoodized and, you know, far too ridiculous to be true. So, um, but but yeah, uh, the, the wreck looks remarkably intact considering that, I mean, destroyer escort, so smaller than a destroyer, this was this was not a big ship. They, they had, uh, I think... The maximum speed of these typically was about 24 knots, but they managed to crank the boilers up to about 27 knots uh, just by kind of disregarding all the safety features, essentially. And um, alongside the, the other destroyers of Taffy 3 um, and the other destroyer escorts, uh, they, they essentially charged 
a much, much larger force of ships of, uh, I think, principally Japanese heavy cruisers, but I'm pretty sure Yamato was nearby as well. So it's it's an absolutely, like, the entire thing just sort of beggars belief, and it, it entirely reinforces the conception that you had to be utterly crazy to command an Allied destroyer during World War Two. <laughs> Quite amazing is that, I was just reading the article, it's... Um... It's lying under 6,895 yeah. meters of water. That's uh, very, very deep. It's deeper than, uh, where did I see this? It was like 98% of, of you know, the world's oceans are kind of above that depth. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're found, uh, they reckon it, it went in nose first. Um, they found, uh, obviously, areas that you can see where it's um, been damaged by enemy shell fire. And uh, uh, they found some of the, um, I think the torpedo tubes had come off separately as well. They also had to look for the uh, USS Gambia Bay, which was the only U.S. carrier sunk by surface action. It was an escort carrier. I think, is it one of the Bogues? I can't remember. But it, it was also part of Taffy 3, and they had a, a little look around for it as well. But, um, yeah, this expedition has concluded. So uh, it, it's unlikely this, um, that the... the uh, the um uh what do you call it the i want to say probe probe is not the right word but the rov that's uh, i think it's unlikely that this will that this setup will be used to locate that because it's all changing ownership or something like that so this is kind of like the last of the expeditions funded by this particular guy whose name i forget but it's in the article so uh, yeah go look up the story of taffy yes. three because it's bonkers Vescovo is his name. I'm not sure how you Yes, it. that's it. Um, so, much Victor like Paul Vescovo. Allen, another millionaire that decided to use some of his wealth to go and find some of these forgotten wrecks. I mean, cool. If if, if that's your thing, if you yeah, like I mean, history, you know, these you've are, got, are, you've got the money to go and look history. at it yourself. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So, yeah, so, that, if, that's, if anyone's uh, interested, there's some. Uh, if you go to like the BBC News website, for example, other news websites that are available, um, there's some really cool pictures. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I first saw it on on Reddit, and there's a couple of pictures on there as well, and you can sort of see the the whole pennant number and like the shot of the fire director and that shot of the bow that's in the article. So. Uh, yeah, it, it does seem remarkably intact for, for how far it fell. I don't think we'll ever, we'll ever see this in-game because destroyer escorts are just a bit too much on the small side, um, generally speaking. The, the only things that kind of... Uh, uh, like, the only way you'd ever see this in uh, this kind of thing in-game would be, like, a, a, a Tier 1 ship because you, you tend to see the, the very small ships at, at Tier 1. Um, but, uh, yeah, someday we might see the USS Johnston, though. That was a, a Fletcher class, and I think that would be a very welcome addition to the game. And the Certainly, same guy actually found that for last US year. Fans. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, tier one with torpedoes, smokescreen, <laughs> etc. <cetera, et> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, that's... it's always nice to be able to, to bring in some actual... History stuff yes. when we, we talk about this. Maybe we'll get Drac on next time, and we'll just we'll just say, right, Samuel B. Roberts, go, and then that'll be <laughs> us for the next you know hour and a half or whatever. Hold your arms, sit. Yeah. 
out. Uh, is that is that about us? I think I think we're yes. I think that done, so. concludes our topics. So where where can we find you, Mister Stats Bloke? Uh, here. so so you can find me uh on twitch uh twitch.tv slash stats bloke uh i also very occasionally i used to be a youtuber but i've kind of uh almost completely uh stopped doing that but um but i do have a youtube channel as well and i very occasionally release um you know like highlights and and tournament stuff Mm -hmm. and guides and things like that but but not frequently but um, it's also also mentioned you are you are technically one of our podcast rivals as well kind of uh, so i do have a podcast um with killerbin and painzor but for me as uh, as i was saying earlier it's um it's very much for me a side project and Mm -hmm. unfortunately when the schedule is busy which it usually is it's the first thing to drop off so uh because these things take a long time to uh to organize and edit and i like i could do this one because i'm not editing it afterwards um so all i have to do is sit here and talk and i'd be sitting here talking anyway because i'm streaming right now so um so yeah so but but i mean it's there and there is a bit of a back catalog so if anyone's interested it's called stats thonk and you can find it wherever you can find podcasts um particularly google podcasts for example yep so uh we've done a few interviews there's a couple of interesting ones about king of the sea that you might want to go and watch or listen to yeah so, but that uh, would yeah, be i mean certainly we don't cover competitive that much on our outside of things so i'm sure that would be of interest to some people um, and also we may possibly have pains himself as a guest next week so nice yeah. yeah he'll be far he'll be far more knowledgeable than me and up to date about the devlogs and stuff because um i said the last couple of months my head's not been in world of warships quite so much as it is normally um so yeah he'll be able to uh, discuss the, the the ins and outs of all the ships because he's very very up to date because he's got his He's got his finger on the, the beating heart of World of Warships. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly got his googly eyes on World of Warships. <laughs> yes. Oh, always. always. <laughs> and, so, yeah. And, then... for, and for, uh, for, my, for, the, for my viewers, um, where can they find your podcast? Well, uh, at the moment, we're live on uh, twitch.tv slash ATAM, but this will go up on my YouTube channel pointy hair jedi uh in a couple of days time and we are also on various podcast platforms uh such as acast and uh, apple podcasts so just you know search for the community contributor podcast and uh we should pop up somewhere beautiful thank you very much i will share those links so uh, thanks for joining us, Dots. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's it very interesting. And uh, have, a, have a nice stream. I will do. I'm going to go and look at PTS. Um, so that's going to be fun. I'll, I'll catch you later. Bye. Have fun. Bye-bye.